Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm your host, Tom Morcus, and today I get to sit down with Tina Van Leuven, who is an abundance mindset coach, an abundance mindset mentor. And today we're going to talk about what that is, uh, why it's important for you to understand what it is, and I think some interesting uh, archetypes we'll get into with it. And we're also going to talk a little bit about her launch that we worked on together. So we'll dive into that a little bit later. But Tina, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. Yay! Hey, Tom. So honored to be here. It's great to have you. Yeah. So I'm excited to sit down and, and interview you finally, since we've been working together for the last like six months or so. Um, and it's been fun. It's been interesting to kind of get into your world, see what you're doing and, and kind of help you in, in some ways to kind of get more traffic, more reach and kind of grow your platform. But before we get to all that stuff and, and the launch work we did, tell me a little bit about what you do. Like from your perspective, how would you describe it to somebody who's tuning in for the first time? Well, um, the main work that I do is really helping people to shift their abundance mindset. And that includes money mindset. So working with mostly solopreneurs who are really passionate about what it is that they're doing. Many of them are healers and coaches and artists and creatives. And one of the big things that I've noticed over the years there is that they, and I've definitely had that too, have this starving artist archetype running, you know, where it's like you can do what you love, but then you can't make money. And it's like, well, that stuff has to shift. So working with them to help transform that using sacred money archetypes. And it's like, basically, if you have a computer and your operating system hasn't you know, it's kind of outdated. That's how I describe the abundance mindset for most people's running on an outdated program operating system and help people to get an update in their operating system and the programs running so that the way what most people experience with abundance is having abundance of struggle, abundance of lack, abundance of worry, abundance of anxiety, and shifting that to abundance of ease and joy and what lights you up, you know, which goes completely contradictory the no pain, no gain mindset that's run on the planet. So helping them to shift that so that therefore that they can express their brilliance and have a business that is a real reflection of their divine essence and making the money that they want that feels good. So let's start with this a little bit and break it down because I actually took your quiz too to find out what my, what was it, the, the, the archetype that I was, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, it was kind of interesting to to get a perspective on it because I thought it was pretty accurate. And so maybe you can break down some of these these sacred money archetypes and we can kind of dive into that a little bit first. Yeah, sure. And that the sacred money archetypes were created by Kendall Summerhawk. So I trained with her in 2013. And when I first came across them, I was like, oh my God, this is so interesting and fascinating, you know? So for example, you know, there are eight um, of these archetypes and there you can kind of look at them like money personalities and they have their strengths and they have their talents and they have their challenges. And everyone has their own inner money team and your inner money team consists of four of these archetypes. And like with any team, you know, if they're working together well, then you can create amazing things together. But if you have a member or more on your team who are sabotaging you, then it's like dragon feet and it just doesn't flow. So for example, with yours, the maverick is running this show, which is really fun. The maverick is all about you know, the inner rebel with a cause. And it loves to think outside the box and go, in fact, box, what are you talking about? You know, It loves to come up with unconventional ways to bust free from conforming to the rules of society and to come up with new ways of doing things and blaze your own trail, basically. So there are a lot of people more and more who have um, the Maverick running their inner money team. It's interesting to observe. And so one of the things there is, is that so that Maverick is really great with coming up with unconventional ideas and uh, also taking a stand for the underdog, you know, and really wanting to make a difference there. But the 
Achilles heel of the um, maverick and bee getting bored really quickly. So it's like, <laughs> I just want to get on to the next thing and the next shiny objects. Uh, what is it called? Shiny object syndrome, right? Yep. Yeah. On to the next shiny thing. And so what that can sometimes lead to is that if that maverick is not in alignment or really playing into its strengths of like, for example, to get the maverick really activated. And it's great to have in any team because let's say that you have a money goal and you, you have a you know, certain amount that you want to make in the year that you ask the maverick, all right, if I had to come up with that amount within the next 90 days, how would I go about it? And boom, that maverick will come up with some wild, crazy ideas that, <laughs> and if you follow through with it, can be really effective. So yeah, that's sort of how that plays out. But in, on that note, and I think that perfectly describes me, but the, and I was nodding along because, you know, I do sense that that is like my weakness. My Achilles heel is that it's like, uh, it's, it's tough for me to, to maintain focus over a long term because I'm always attracted to the next new thing. That's been a, that's a struggle of mine. It always has been, but it was just because I am always fascinated by these new things and I can get bored easily with what I'm doing or I feel like I'm, if I have to repeat myself too many times, I get bored of it. So I kind of like want to explore new ideas all the time. So if we were to dissect something like this, you mentioned that like all, all the archetypes kind of follow something like this where there's going to be strengths, but there will be like, there's going to be a weakness involved. And so when you work with somebody like that, whether it's a maverick or somebody else, how do you like, what, what's your process with that is it do you look at it kind of expanding the strengths and then minimizing the weaknesses how do you kind of actually like even approach that kind of topic with somebody yeah so when someone takes this assessment you answer all these questions and it will give you the score you know as to who's running your team and that the one the top score is the most important one because that's the one who is leading your team and all the others are there to support that leader and one of the interesting things too is that majority of people who are drawn to me have the lowest score celebrity and celebrity is like your inner big shot and it's the one that it is awesome. When you tap into the celebrity, it's absolutely awesome at helping you be confident and to, um, you know, to bring a five-star experience to some, you know, if you have a look around and see how someone is doing things or how majority of people are doing things, then the celebrity energy, when you tap into that, can help you to raise the bar in the industry. So it's a really up level and, and you create an experience of excellence. And um, when this particular archetype is in its lowest score, then it's a part that you've kind of shoved away in the closet. You don't identify with it. It's like you don't own it yet. It's like a hidden source of strength for you. And when you activate that, it's like you let that baby out of the closet. Then all of a sudden it's there to help. Like, for example, with the celebrity supporting the maverick, then it can create out-of-the-box ideas and really creating a new standard and five-star experience for people and helping people be visible. So like being the, the celebrity in the lowest score is great at helping others look good, right? So I definitely, that's if I know you and you help others look good by helping their business really to thrive. So that's one way that Archetype can support you. So when someone takes the assessment and they find out who's on their team, we have a look to see, okay, who is your leading archetype? Are there any conflicts amongst the ones on your team? Because sometimes it's like musical chairs. You've got four seats and there are six that are wanting to get on. So you're going to have to choose who is going to get the seat on your team, right? And when we're clear on that, then we have a look to see, okay, how can the lowest archetype, the strengths, support the challenges of the leading archetype and then look to see how can we bring all the strengths to the table and that will inevitably then bring up the fears that are there which with many with celebrity with lowest score one of the biggest fears whether conscious or unconscious is being visible and being in the spotlight 
it's like rather be behind the scenes and you know there's a lot of under you know um, unconscious programming that runs there that will say basically that it's not safe to be in the spotlight either for yourself or for those you love so therefore kind of keeping things under wraps so let's dive into that specifically personally i'm interested because that is that is my greatest weakness i do resonate with that as well i'm kind of more of a behind the scenes by nature kind of guy i don't know if it's the military or what but it's like taking a backseat always you know tip that's just where my predisposition is, we'll say. But if I if I know that that is my weakness, and I do, I recognize that. What are some ways that you, when you, you're focusing on that, and you said many people kind of struggle with that, actually. What have you seen? Like, what, what have you seen as maybe approaches or, or things that people could do to kind of like overcome that as a weakness? Like, you know, maybe strengthen the celebrity aspect uh, of, or strengthen the celebrity archetype. Yeah. So that's a great question because one of the things that I'll do with people is take on a journey really, you know, we all have a timeline of experiences and many of those you may be aware of, but most of them you're not. So it's like your unconscious database. It's like it holds all the experiences that you've ever had. And if there have been experience, imagine that there is a root cause event that set that whole fear of being visible into motion, which for many uh, comes from ancestors uh, being passed you know, down through the lineage. And also, you know, I work with a lot of um, healers and coaches. So, you know, awareness of having been on this planet more than once, past lives, experiences and all of that brings with it fear of persecution. And it's interesting, I mean, even if you look, you know, even around on our planet today, but not that long ago, you know, speaking up uh, for your your magic or uh, anything that was outside the norm of what society deemed acceptable uh, could get you hung, drowned, uh, quartered, all sorts of things, right? And if you look to see like all the big visionaries on the planet, like Gandhi or, um, no, actually Martin Luther King is always a great example, you know, speaking up, I have a dream. How many resonate with that? And what happened to him? So unconsciously, many of us have the story running that if I speak up and let my light really shine, I'm going to be a target and that's going to be the end of me. Or those I love will be tortured, hurt, or otherwise knocked out, right? So even though logically, consciously, you might say, well, that's all beam there, done, you know, it's over, and that's not relevant for me today. Unconsciously, if you, especially when you're holding this in your physical body, it's like your body actually holds the memories, what it will do, and this has been the big operating system on the planet, is you shall conform. And conform is follow the rules and don't make you know make any waves don't make any ripples because that's going to piss people off and if they're pissed off then your security survival is at stake so therefore you shut up that's it in a nutshell and when you've got an inner rebel there that goes bleep 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 that <laughs> it creates inner conflict tug of war and what it will then do is we'll tend to find ways to let that rebellious spirit out but kind of in a way that's below the radar, you know? So it's really interesting even with your thinking of that now, your name and reading the story of how In the Trenches came up. That is such a perfect example of that, you know? Well, that's what I, f I think is so interesting about it because yeah, I get this. I can I can resonate with this. I'm guessing probably many listeners can too, to some degree, right? Uh, especially if the, like the majority of people kind of struggle with like the celebrity archetype, so to speak, and kind of being out there. And I would say it's like interesting because yeah, not only is there the historical context for that, and that's probably predisposes us to you know certain attitudes and certain ways of being in the world. But I think even even in today's online space too, there's a certain sense of it, like because of social media and things like that, where people can come out and like criticize you, and and it can be brutal. Like, 
And some people can just be like, you know, torn apart by it. And one of the things like, I guess I did to get started was I, I just had to kind of like, just pretend it didn't exist. And I was like, I'm just going to do this for me. And then I just started doing it. And I was like, the only way I could get, get started because for the longest time, even when it came to like blogging, it took me like, I started like a, a blog silently and started just writing and publishing, not sharing with anyone for like six months before I actually started, you know, my current blog, which is back in 2012, because I just had to get over that fear of, you know, publishing publicly. And even though nobody was looking at that first one, it was like, because I was hitting publish, I knew it was out there on the internet, um, even though nobody was looking at it. So it was like, but, and that helped me to get over it at first. Like that, that was one of my, I guess you could say techniques. So I'm curious when you're working with people like this in that, that capacity, what do you recommend to them? Because I think rationally we can understand that why obviously like if you hide, well, there's, there's so many neg- net negative benefits to it and the benefits of, yeah, it will say the benefits of, of speaking up and, and, and owning who you are and, and what you're about. There's a lot of positives, but that's still, it's a very rational argument and it's tough to overcome like maybe the emotions or your, your presuppositions and predispositions. So what are some of like, do you actually have people like go through like any kind of concrete steps for something like this? Yeah, it's a combination of having the awareness. Oftentimes when these things, when you get the rational awareness, then it helps to see where this is coming from. So you don't think, oh my God, I must be going crazy here. No, you realize this is actually sort of normal, you know? Um, And then I take people through an energy clearing process, like really looking at, like I mentioned before, that timeline of all your events that happen. If there's a root cause event that set that whole pattern in motion, then taking you there on an energetic journey to help unplug the energy that's been invested in that. So like if you've had experiences in your life where you've had a traumatic event happen, then you were not able to deal with it at the time. It's kind of like in your emotional body that holds like it, fro- it freezes in consciousness. So it's like having these ice cubes in your consciousness, in your field, in your energy field that keep waiting for an opportunity to be melted so that the energy can flow because energy wants to flow. If it stagnates, it, you know, it's, it just keeps on creating experiences in your outer reality to resolve this. And so guiding through, it's a combination of doing, that's what I found to make the difference. Having the mental awareness, you know, the conscious level awareness is one thing, getting it with your mind is one thing, but the majority of this stuff is at an energetic level, which is unconscious. And unless that is addressed, where you know, I have just a bunch of different energy healing modalities and you know, being able to shift the energy patterns, then you'll keep on recreating things. And because a lot of this stuff is tied into survival programming, then the moment that you start messing with that, then every resistance thing in your system is going to get activated. And you know, it's fascinating to observe. But then when taking people through the process, which part of with working with the archetypes and, you know, giving people money mindset makeover, what we do is in bring, have them in experience. That's, I guess, the difference rather than talking about it, giving you an experience of connecting with the energy of money and realizing how you have been relating to money and how that plays out in every other area of your life. And so then with the celebrity as lowest score, for example, helping to clear the trauma imprints or the memories held within the body and energy field of those times of having been judged and criticized and worse that have you hold back and then realizing that that's gone, shifting that. I call that we all have a lot of shit. And when you transform that, it becomes fertilizer, right? So now we have a lot of fertilizer once that's been shifted. And then we sprinkle that onto coming up with some practical aligned action steps that help you achieve your goals and realizing that the celebrity as lowest score can really help you then to borrow the confidence 
of the celebrity to move forward. So often what holds people back is the fear. So then you go, okay, well, as someone who is confident, that's one, as someone who is magnetic, which is another quality of the uh, celebrity, the strength, as someone who is magnetic and confidence, how would I show up in this situation? And you get the answers. And from those answers, you create the action steps and then having the support in place to nudge you to do what you said you were going to do is where the magic happens. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like uh, that idea of like act as if, you know, and that can be broken down and and torn apart a bunch of different ways. But I, I, the premise of it, I kind of like, because you kind of, you know, especially if you're not, you know, you're going to a new area, you're not sure about something. It's like, well, how would you act as if you were the person you could be? What would that person act like? How would they show up in the world? How would they present themselves? How would they speak, talk, etc. So I kind of like that idea. It's it's interesting. It's just like, I guess, part of the process you take people through then is, is kind of imagining what that could be. And then, helping them, well, discover that and then live it. And so I guess that's the nature of like act as if sounds like it's pretending, but it's, it's really not, um, I guess. It, and, and with what you're doing, it's like, how do you help these individuals like shine through and, uh, you know, become that kind of person that they were meant to be to let that magnetic kind of aspect show forth if we're talking about like the, uh, the celebrity architect. Do I, do I kind of have that right? Yeah. And it's kind of like having going to a, um, a boutique and you want to try on some different outfits, you know, and there's all these different kind of looks that you could try and you put them on and you wear them to kind of get a feel for what would that feel like to wear this outfit. And then maybe going in there, you know, for the celebrity, one of the big things for like many of them are the fear of visibility so obviously when working with sultaners with online business, or even if it is, you know, locally, then one of the invitations for them to step into is to go on video, let themselves be seen, which will then bring up every excuse under the sun, which may be very relevant, but it's still an excuse. And so we help them to shift through the excuses to actually move through that fear and to have their video out. And with the transformation that happens, when some, what can happen sometimes too is like even hopping on a group call and initially, you know, on Zoom, people will have their video switched off. And that moment when they finally feel safe enough to let themselves be seen and their video comes on. Oh my God, it's a huge breakthrough. (laughs) It may seem really insignificant, but it's about letting themselves be seen for who they are. And that is that being you, letting your brilliance shine through is what draws people to you. So then giving that action step, for example, to record a video, to do something that's completely outside your comfort zone, to do it and then to celebrate that. Yeah. Also, you know, it's it's one of those things when I think about it, listening to you talk, it it's like those little things. Like, yeah, maybe they sound in, insignificant, but I I get it. Like, I I don't think so. Like, because those are the kind of first steps you have to take. And I like the idea too. What what was nested in what you said is you have to act, act this out in the world, and you have to you have to do it, and then you have to practice it. And it's I would say that that's the only way I got comfortable writing and publishing online, or even doing a podcast is just repetition. And so just kind of like you know, closing off those thoughts that would kind of restrict me from doing it, typically speaking, doing it. And then the more I did it, the it took a while though, like months. So like, it doesn't, I don't, you know, it's not necessarily a fast transition, right? So sometimes it, it takes longer for other people. So I guess if anybody's listening, it's like, you know, be, be willing to go through that process like and take your time and just do, and baby steps, seriously. And, but, but you have to do it. You have to like actually put it out there in the world. You can't just think about it, right? It sounds like that's one of the critical aspects of what you do and help people kind of make those transformations is by actually having them implement those steps and do 
those things uh, that they were scared to do before. Yeah, I say it, I help people shift and get off the pot, you know? So it's like, if you're serious about really making a difference, then if you want changes in your life, then you're going to have to show up differently. Things are going to have to shift on the inside. And that is deep work. And it means, you know, it's uncomfortable and it gets messy. And trying to do that stuff on your own is just, well, you'll just get procrastination mode and won't go there. So having support in place is just so powerful. And yeah. And the maverick, you know, is like, talk about realizing, oh, the maverick has this thing. Oh, I'll just work it out as I go, you know, jump off the cliff. Oh, I'll work out how I get down there. So you work it out as you go, which is that beautiful risk-taking quality of the maverick, which many people find very challenging. Because one of the other, the big things that I support my clients with is really to train their trust muscles. And that's, you know, a whole other conversation, but that's a big topic. Yeah, no, I love it. I think that's a good place for us to like kind of segue into kind of what you're doing now to kind of grow your business and kind of some of the stuff we've been working on together and the launch you recently did. I would just say like a quick pause there. If people are interested in this, definitely go check out tinavanlubin.com and we'll have that up in the show notes and we'll talk a little bit about that. But there's a great quiz you can take to find out what your archetypes are. And I think you might be... I know I was surprised. I was like, that's pretty darn accurate. Kind of hit me to to a T. So I highly encourage that. But let's do a segue now to kind of the business aspect of what you're doing. So you do this kind of transformational work, a lot of times it's a one-on-one or in a group kind of setting. And uh, when we first connected, it was like, okay, what, you know, you have a good baseline. What do we do to grow this? And so we worked on a launch together. So maybe you can take us behind the scenes a little bit of, of what you did to kind of expand your kind of reach. And, uh, and we could just take it from there. We can kind of dissect what you did. Yeah. No, I was, you know, when at the point when I started working with you, I had in the previous 18 months or so had run several online challenges and wrote a book five years ago that's called Money and Miracles. So this challenge was a seven-day Money and Miracles challenge. And that had gone really well. And I, But I realized that there was more that I could be doing. And I wanted to scale it and to you know, see what would unfold. So when we started talking, I thought I was just going to do some things you know, to <laughs> do just another challenge. <laughs> <laughs> which was doing it in your know, Facebook lives and all of that. Um, and then you had the suggestion to bring speakers on and kind of basically it turned into a morph of a challenge, a summit and a bundle. And it was just an extraordinary experience to go through the whole process of getting that set up, the behind the scenes work. I mean, it took five months to get everything in place and I had a lot of support on the back end. And I think that that's one of the interesting things. I think even if you don't consciously know what's involved behind the scenes, I guess we can get a sense of, oh my God, this is a big job. Yeah. And when I found out how much it was, if I hadn't had your support along the way, I would have gone, screw this. I'm going to the beach. I'll be back later. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting, right? Because it is, it's like, it's definitely a lot of work. But what I thought was interesting is because you had done these challenges before, mostly just to your audience. And so I guess having the conversation was like, well, we should expand this out and see if we can get in front of, you know, new audiences. And those part, you know, the partnerships that you lined up, it was people that you knew, they had like market, like target markets that were like, you know, optimal for what you were doing. So it's like, how do we bring them into the fold? How do we collaborate with them? And basically, you know, in a way that that's win-win for them, win for them because they're part of it, good for their audience, and then win for you, obviously. So it's more like win, win, win. 
yeah, three wins uh, there when you think about it. And so we, we kind of put that together. It took some time to kind of plan it, coordinate it, and then launch it. And so talk to me about like what you found as like the kind of the pros and cons of it. So like what you found was like a big takeaway in terms of like the, the net benefit for you and uh, where you saw, hey, these are, these are some of the challenges I went through. And maybe these are some ways I'm looking to improve it and iterate it on it the next time or, or how you're going forward with it from, from here. Yeah. So we switched it to a five-day a challenge and it became the abundance reset challenge. So it was beautiful to have the different speakers that I invited on, including you, and realizing that for me, the definition of being an abundant solopreneur is having the support in place and realizing that running a business, there are so many hats that you have to wear and you can't wear them all or do all the things well. I don't know. I don't think I know anybody who can do all these things well themselves. So at some point along the line, you're going to need these different areas of expertise, such as you know the fun, how to set up the funnels, how to the copywriting, the branding, the uh, what else, the social media sharing. We had so many different topics covered. So I was really excited to reach out to those I knew to share their expertise on different aspects of being an abundance opener and thereby letting um, the audience experience an abundance reset in all these areas and bringing awareness to which area they might next like to explore. So it was amazing. And when I reached out, I think the most amazing experience for me of it all was reaching out and asking everyone, you know, would they be willing to participate and then, you know, contribute one of their offers to what we ended up calling the super juicy um, abundance opener uh, bundle was just you know, super juicy. It really is. And that everybody was so, so excited to collaborate and that everyone said, oh, they said yes, because I asked them because it was me. I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then hearing the feedback from those who participated in the challenge, you know, they just loved, loved, loved it. So it was, yeah, the Going live, I travel a lot, so it's always depend. You know, with the house sitting, it depends on what my internet connection is like. I think one of the things was I wanted to do these interviews live during the five days, so that meant requiring steady internet for five days for doing my thing every day and the two interviews each day. And with all the technical challenges that had happened behind the scenes, I was like keeping my fingers crossed that if we could just have the internet connection be good, then all would be well. And it was, and it was amazing. And it was so much fun. <laughs> and that was extraordinary. Yeah, it's it's interesting because that was the first time you, I think, really leveraged partnerships mm-hmm. for what you had been doing. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And so when you, when you look back on that now and you launched and obviously it was quite a bit of work, but it all came together. You ran the event. Um, you know, it's interesting because there's, there's some shifts in like, I think, uh, you know, things using things like Facebook as an example, like, in, you know, engagement is dropping off now on videos, on live videos and stuff like that. It's kind of a, their way of like, you know, strangling you into, into paying to get the exposure you would have gotten like organically otherwise. So there's been some shifts in the platforms that you're using. But overall, what's your what's your big takeaway from this in terms of like, and where do you see this going next? Like, wh- where do you see in terms of like kind of compounding your results or, or growing from here? Yeah, I think that now having the done the majority of the work to set the, the foundation in place, which, you know, all the, the biggest part, so, um, yeah, having the foundation in place, the biggest part, I think, was getting all the emails and everything written. You know, that was a huge part of it. But now that the majority of that is done and I've had the experience, um, I think that doing this again, more energy can be focused in on looking to see ways that we can increase the traffic, such as 
you know, maybe collaborating with the speakers well before we start the event and sharing and, you know, sharing each other in each other's audience and stuff like that. And yeah, just more collaborative sharing before and also after the event. I think that's where more of the time can be focused and possibly looking to see, okay, we need to do some advertising to um, increase the traffic. And the other thing that was interesting was that I realized that, yeah, many people are actually not on Facebook or don't like being on there anymore. So asked, you know, to have access in another way. So I think the next time what I'll do is actually, instead of doing the Facebook Live just within the Facebook group is I was doing them on Zoom, but to have them on Zoom and so people can hop on the Zoom to attend live during the event um, and don't have to be on Facebook to participate. So those are a couple of the big takeaways. Yeah, I love it. And as far as like the oldest is concerned too, when you think about like, so it sounds like, yeah, maybe maybe shifting some platforms, but the partnership is still an aspect that you think was was overall worthwhile. And so I know we had kind of had that discussion. It was like, because there were probably some bigger names you could have gotten on, but I think you, you wanted to say like, let's test the waters with this first. So like, as far as your approach to that, is that something that you think you're going to pursue more of like partnerships, influencer marketing type stuff? Yeah, that's definitely something I would love to expand. And I think, you know, I was holding back from reaching out. I've got many more people I could have reached out to that have much larger audiences. But I was like, oh, I better see whether all this works first because there were so, oh my God, like there was technology shifts and so many things that had to be done behind the scenes. I was like, oh my God, I just got to be able to get through this first. <laughs> it's like, part of me was like, if I go all out and, you know, what if, what if we don't have internet working and it flops, you know, all the worst case scenarios were coming to mind. I'm like, now let me just kind of play it safe and test the waters and see how it goes. And then we had an amazing experience and fabulous feedback. So it's like, okay, and I got my training wheels off. Now I can go. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I agree. It's one of those things that's always uh, the event-based stuff is always, it's always risky. It always has that, that element of risk to it because if it's time-based, you know, certain things have to kick off, you know, at the right time. And if you're doing li a live component to it, you know, and, and those things are being delivered live, it's like, yeah, there's tons of opportunity for error on it. I do like the live stuff though, when, when it can be done well, because it can increase engagement. I think like from a launch perspective, I've always found that launches perform better uh, or these kind of events perform better if, if they are live. And you ran all yours live, right? When we did the interviews. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so what was your level of engagement like there? How did you feel like that kind of, what was like the nature of kind of the engagement with your audience doing it live? What was the feedback you got? Yeah. I mean, I even had people who are I'm in Australia and had people who are in Europe and messaging me to say, you know, that they were coming on live, which was 3am or 2am for them most of the time, you know, because they said there was just something about participating, being there live. I thought, wow, you know, it just goes to show I me, mean, yeah, you can catch the replay and it's still amazing. Yet being there live, yeah, it just brings an extra element of engagement. And then having the uh, participation in the Facebook group, for example, and I think this being uh, offering it for participants to join in Zoom so that they can um, interact in the chat will bring more of an engagement too, that it just feels like, yeah, it's real. It's not, it's raw. And, you know, if something goes wrong or technology glitch or anything happens, it's real and it's live and it's happening right there and then. So there's no element of it's authentic, I guess. That's the thing what people are really, really craving and what they really enjoy. I mean, whereas if we have a video and we can edit it and cut out the pieces, we can't do that when you're live, you know? So people get a real sense of, um, every, you know, that was the beauty of having the speakers on, they get a sense of what everyone is like and having a 
meeting as if you're in the room there with them, which was, was so powerful. And that was the feedback I got. So people engaged and were asking questions and just really loving uh, participating. I love it. Well, this has been great, Tina. It's been fun to kind of look at what you're doing, how you're kind of growing, what your experience was with the launch and, and next steps. Um, kind of coming, circling back around to that original conversation we had about kind of the abundance mindset and the work you do. Where can people reach out to find you and connect with you if they'd like to learn more, take your quiz, uh, maybe work with you? Yeah, well, thanks, Tom. That's, well, we'd, the easiest place would be to go to my website, tinavanderven.com, and you'll see there to take the money quiz. When you take that money quiz, then it takes about 10 minutes. Let yourself be really honest with yourself as to the answer. So that's going to give you the best reflection of what's going on. And then you'll get an email that has a, a PDF in it that describes some of the qualities in your sacred money contract, which is really interesting because that's kind of you know, at the core of bringing your experience with uh, money and your archetypes and inner money team into alignment. So that would be the best place to start. And yeah, check out my blog. I'll post on there and anything else that's happening is um, shared there. I love it. Well, Tina, this is fantastic. I, I really encourage people, like I said earlier, to go check it out, have some fun with it. Just yeah, be honest. It'll you'll be. I think you'll be really surprised by maybe what you get back um, in that PDF, and it's it's really interesting stuff. It's a it's good. You know, no matter what you're doing, I think it's a good. You know, at least reevaluation of where you're at, or evaluation of you know a good good evaluation of where you're at right now. And I know for me, it gave me some some things to ponder and think about. It's like, oh yeah, these these are definitely my weaknesses. I gotta I gotta work on these things. And as far as the strengths are concerned, like oh maybe these are some ways I can kind of improve from there. So highly encourage it. And Tina, just thank you so much for being on In the Trenches and sharing your story. Oh, you're welcome, Tom. And you know, on the last note there, it's like interesting because money tends to stir up so much stuff for people and we get so serious about it. So I have an LTFU approach, which is to lighten the F up and bringing that light and joy into the experience and that changes everything. So if that resonates, then come and check it out. I love it. Well, Tina, thank you so much. It was awesome having you on the show. You're welcome. Thanks, Tom, for having me. Are you trying to grow your online business, but struggling to get new customers consistently and predictably? Are you tired of working nonstop only to see your income plateau? Are you ready to step off the hustle hamster wheel, as I call it, and step onto a path of predictable profit that you can scale as much or as little as you want? Don't worry, you're not alone. I've been there. When I first got started, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So I started reading blogs and listening to podcasts by people I respected and wanted to learn from. I slowly but surely put their recommendations into practice. But because I wanted to do it all myself, maybe you, you're something like that, right? And you love to do, do it by yourself, learn through trial and error. Well, bottom line is it took forever. Results were unpredictable when I was first getting started. I wasn't sure where to spend my time, money, and energy. And shiny penny syndrome got the best of me on more than one occasion. For many entrepreneurs, the amount I sacrificed, working literally nonstop in some cases in my spare time, and 12 and 14-hour days routinely after going full-time, combined with the endless fog of war, aka that uncertainty that I had to deal with at all times because I was going it alone, I think that would have been enough for most entrepreneurs to throw in the towel. But I was persistent, focused, and I stayed humble. Day after day, I worked to grow the traffic to my website increase my list of subscribers, and generate a healthy living for my eBooks, eCourses, and other digital products. At least that was the goal. But maybe more important than the work was that I paid attention to what I was doing, including what worked and what didn't. Eventually, I discovered a predictable pattern of growth. And so what I did was I just doubled down on those things, and I scrapped or sidelined the other things that weren't working so well. Finally, two years after resigning my commission as a captain in the army and going full-time on my online business front with my blog, with my podcast, et cetera, I replaced my income 
with digital product income. Two years. And so if that's where it stopped, I would have been happy with it. I would have been happy with the results. I wouldn't have complained. I would have been very content just replacing my income. But the bottom line is it was so much work. I wanted to you know, see if it could go somewhere else, right? So I just kept doing what I was doing, but better, faster, and more effectively. Again, just kind of applying the same system that I discovered uh, from seeing these patterns emerge, right? So I implemented it. I kept doing it. And eventually, replacing my income turned into doubling my income. And then that turned into a little bit more and a little bit more. But not just that, it afforded me the freedom to dictate my day and also choose the projects I want to work on, on the schedule and on the timeline I want, and to work with the people I want to work with. And to me, that's like a whole new level of freedom, especially coming from the military. It's something I've never really had that level of complete autonomy until I became my own boss. I started my own business. And until ultimately, until it became profitable enough for me to start to take a step back and actually reap the rewards of it. Because it's not all just working, working, working. And I do believe it's hard work. And I'll always say that nothing about doing this stuff is easy. But at the same time, you've got to reap the rewards at some point and take some of that profit, uh, even if you're just reinvesting it into new assets and things like that. Bottom line is, it can't just be work, right? Entrepreneurship and business is about that result that occurs, the value you've created and the profit, that that piece of value that you've captured, okay? And you want to be able to reap the rewards of that profit, of that value, that little sliver of value that you get to capture, that you get to net, right? You want to be able to take advantage of that. Otherwise, you know, the entrepreneurship game really does become just a grind. And, and for, I think, a lot of entrepreneurs, unfortunately, it becomes meaningless, and that's when they quit. Well, for me, I love this stuff. I really, truly do. I mean, it is my thing. And so that's why I didn't just stop where I was at. I've stayed committed to learning everything I can about all aspects of this online business world and this online marketing world. And I do this through real world application. In other words, I'm currently growing several online businesses and I'm always putting my ideas to the test in real time with my own money, with my own time and energy, oftentimes with employees, you know, a lot of some, some stuff more advanced, some stuff more simple, but you know, so varying levels of complexity and again, in different spaces, different niches. And I can say, you know, bottom line, I've always loved the startup hustle, but I got to say, it's nice to now be in a position where I can get big results with much less effort, thanks to having built the foundation of my business the right way. And again, I did it all through trial and error, but I don't think that that's the way that everyone needs to do it. And in fact, looking back on it, if I had to redo it, I don't know if I would. It was so difficult to just go it alone and try to figure everything out by myself. So one of the things I've tried to do is give back with this podcast, with my blog, and with my newsletter. But maybe even more rewarding than any of this stuff, while I've enjoyed all of it, I think the thing that I'm enjoying the most, that I find most engaging and rewarding, is the premium business mastermind and coaching program I run called 100K Academy. Inside 100K Academy, I help ambitious entrepreneurs who are very driven and excited to be doing what they're doing. I help them grow their reach, their influence, and their profit using my proprietary marketing system. That's the same one I use to scale my own online businesses from zero to multiple six figures and beyond, and the same system I use to help my clients reach the New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestseller list, set Kickstarter funding records, and create viral product launches that have turned into predictable revenue streams. So lots and lots of case studies that you can find at tommorcus.com. If you're curious, just go to tommorcus.com slash about, and that'll get you started. Most importantly, this system is one that 100K Academy members and alumni have used to achieve tremendous results, like Alexa who used it to have her most profitable year ever, or Tina, who used it to make five figures from a sales funnel that she can now replicate and scale, and that's exactly what she's doing, or Carrie, 
who made over $75,000 in just seven days. And the crazy part about his story was that his online business was actually a side hustle up until that first profitable launch, which he has then been able to grow and scale. And he subsequently quit his job following that very successful week. And I think that that has been just a game changer for Kerry and the life he's living and the work he gets to do and the impact he gets to make on the world because of the great work he's doing now, because he was able to figure out a system that would get him the targeted traffic, the subscribers, the sales to grow a profitable online business. Bottom line, if you want to grow your online business from six to seven figures, but you flatlined or you're struggling, or you just want to be told what to do and when to do it and in what order, right? And you want a system that is predictable and scalable and isn't just you know another shiny penny, but actually will fit right into your business. It plugs in and is something that you can truly grow. I want you to go to tommorcus.com slash academy. That's tommorcus.com slash academy. Academy is spelled A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. Go to tommorcus.com slash academy, and you'll find a page on my website with more details about 100K Academy, the business mastermind coaching program I run, as well as instructions on what to do next. Again, that's tommorcus.com slash academy. And if you're serious about growing your reach, influence, or profit, just follow the instructions and we'll be in touch, okay? Again, tommorcus.com slash academy. Go ahead and head over there now. That's it for today. Stay frosty.